Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, excuse me, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? It's a good question. It's a good question for us to keep in mind. Who is the King of glory? That a lot of times within our world, we get carried away with the world and we look at all the different politicians, the different people, uh, the different leaders that might be able to provide some sort of salvation, some sort of peace, some sort of prosperity, some sort of blessing in some way. And yet, we fall into the same trap that the psalmist warns us about, kind of indirectly, who is this king of glory? Who is he? Well, if your answer is Jesus Christ, you're absolutely right. And if you got that from the psalm and how I changed a few things to make the Lord uh, be Jesus Christ, not that I changed it, but that we changed the wording from the Lord to Jesus Christ, then that's good. That's something we should practice more. Reading Jesus in the Old Testament, in the Psalms. That whenever you see Lord, read Jesus Christ. It's very interesting. Because you don't necessarily think of Jesus Christ as strong and mighty, mighty in battle, right? How do you usually think of him? Meek and humble, despised, dying, dead, right? That's usually how you might see Jesus, especially if you're paying attention to our gospel text about Christ coming into Jerusalem, that he comes, not on a war horse, not on a chariot, not with armor, but on a donkey. He's humble. He's meek. He's not exactly what the world would call mighty, right? We see this, we'll see this as we go along in this Advent season, that throughout this time we are preparing, right, of the coming of Christ. Not necessarily his coming to be born, he already did that, right, but he was born in a lowly way. He was born and laid where the cattle had their food, right? And we have creches or mangers to commemorate that. He came lowly and humble, and yet hidden beneath that humility is the Almighty God. The mystery of the incarnation is what this season is truly all about. How Christ came how he fought in a way that we wouldn't expect him to fight, and how he wins in a way that we don't expect most to win. 
But it's interesting, if we go through this Psalm 24, and we read in Jesus Christ, which by the way, if you want to know how you can make that connection, the Lord, capital Lord in uh, the Old Testament, is a substitution for the word or for the name Yahweh, right? It is the name that God gave to his people to speak, to proclaim, so that we would know him as he wants us to know him, as he truly is. And then over time, piety got the best of people, and they changed certain things around in the pronunciation, and we don't exactly know how it's really supposed to be said, Yahweh, Jehovah. It's really not supposed to be Jehovah, but you get the idea. We lost the understanding of exactly how to pronounce the, this name because they, they eventually changed it to Lord, because they felt that God's personal name was just too holy to speak. It was just too much. Lest we scandalize God's name, let's just call him Lord. It's a very pious thing to do. But then he takes that and he does one better. And he says, well, if you'll call me Lord, you should know my name to call upon Jesus Christ. Because he shares that divine name that in Matthew 28, when he says, go therefore and baptize all nations, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them, them in the name, not the names, but the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That when you read Lord in the Old Testament, you can read Jesus Christ. And in fact, I will encourage you to do that whenever you go through your Psalms. It's a little tricky at first because you're so used to just kind of going through, but it makes you stop and it makes you think who it is that the Psalms are proclaiming, right? That the earth is Jesus Christ's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who shall ascend the hill of Jesus Christ? The hill that the psalmist is probably talking about is Mount Zion, right? This is where Jesus Christ ascends. He comes humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And it is interesting that if you look at Matthew 21, <laughs> if you look at Matthew 21, right after this, you see that while these people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Right after that, they say, it says, and, and, when he came, and when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? Who is this man that everybody falls down for? Who is this? So the multitude said, what? This is the king of glory, strong and mighty in battle. No, they say this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. They didn't quite get it. They didn't quite understand. And that's how we can be. That when we read these things, 
about Christ and who he is that even our confession can fall short sometimes. Not that we're trying to find the exact perfect way to say certain things, but let's call Jesus who he is, right? Especially in this day and age, and especially this time of year. That when we ascend to the hill of the Lord, the hill of Jesus Christ, and stand in his holy place for a blessing and not a curse, we have clean hands and a pure heart by faith in Christ, right? We do not, who, um, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, the one who has Christ before him as his Lord, who understands who he truly is, not by his own will, but according to God's word, that's what we should aspire for in faith, to see Jesus for who he really is, to see Jesus as this king of glory, and one that comes in a way we don't expect. One that comes in humble means. That he came in the flesh, like any other man, seemingly, but without sin. That the multitude saw him and said, well, he's Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And notice how Jesus doesn't correct them. He doesn't say, um, actually, I'm really from Bethlehem, Right? He doesn't stop and say, um, actually, I am the king of glory. Um, excuse me, I am the son of David. Not just some prophet, excuse me, right? He's not petulant like that. He takes that title on himself willingly to show that he's just a man. But beneath the man, with the man, is the divinity of God. That he, that he came as a man so that he would die to save all mankind. That this is how he fights. That when we ask, who is the king of glory? And you say, Jesus Christ, strong and mighty. He is strong and he is m mighty in a way we don't necessarily think of on uh, that we don't necessarily think of right off the bat he is strong and mighty because he holds back he suffers and he dies he is mighty in battle by dying by shedding his blood, by taking on the punishment to himself, that he came, he came humble and lowly and despised, so that those who saw him without faith said, why should I care what this man has to say? He's not even high-born, right? He's just some son of a carpenter. Why should I care? In the same way, Christ came to Jerusalem. He comes now. 
by humble means, through bread and wine. He comes in such a way that people who see the bread and wine say, I don't get it. (laughs) I don't get it. How can Christ be present in just bread and wine? It doesn't make sense. But hopefully, your eyes see what your ears hear. That just like if you saw Jesus, who was humble and heard the word of God say, this is the king of glory, this is the son of David, this is your savior writing to you to save you, to die for you. Hopefully, by faith, you would say, amen, amen, God save us through this man. So Christ comes through humble means to accomplish great things, that we should draw near to him on his holy hill. But it's not necessarily the hill that you would think. It's not necessarily the hill that everyone thought that God would come and be present on. What ultimately came to be his hill was Calvary. Outside that great city, where he died, where he shed his blood for you so that you would be made God's child, so that you would know that the King of glory is Jesus Christ, that the King of glory, Jesus Christ, comes to deliver you from your sins, from Satan, from death, so that you would know that Jesus Christ is Yahweh, He is the God of hosts who commands the entirety of creation for you to this day. That he is there for you who delivers you so that you would know that when Christ comes, when Yahweh comes to deliver, nothing can stand in his way. So let this be a comfort to you throughout these dark days. Let this be the encouragement that you need, that you would gather here on the Lord's Day, singing Hosanna, which we sing every week, right? We sing Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Who is that? You? Me? No. Blessed is Christ. He comes to save you. He comes today with his word, with his body and his blood to strengthen you, to sanctify you, to make you holy so that you may be bound to him and his triumph, his triumph. Um, over sin, death, and the power of, of the devil. May this bless you, this Advent tide, that as we go forward from here, knowing who Christ is, that you would be strengthened through your faith, to trust in him, and to call on him who is mighty to save. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.